Show number 35 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Greetings. This is Science Officer Spock, and currently there are no life forms available to take your call. But at the prearranged audio signal, please feel free to leave any verbal communication you feel is necessary. Live long and prosper. Wow, I can't believe it. This is a whole new demographic (sighs) for us. I hope that we can make this transition. I hope the brand extends, you know? Right. It's got to be stretchy. Stretchy brand. (laughs) Flexible. Flexible, yeah. yeah. Stretchy brand podcast. Our target is shifting and we have to, you know, got to move with it. Yeah. We're we're a spandex like <laughs> stretching to cover the, the the vastness of the news from around his, his butt. butt. I know. Well, welcome to another episode of Look at His Butt, and we have so much news. It's amazing. We just assembled a list of news we have to talk about, and it's, it's incredible. It's like pages. It's pages, pages and we're we're going to try to get through it briefly. But some of it just has to be discussed. And this is the number one thing. Let's do it. Let's do it. Jump right in. You heard about this. <laughs> Being speculated about on Look at His Butt yes. first. This was a scoop. In fact, we're wearing our news hats. <laughs> Me and Scoop yeah, Taylor yeah. here. Yeah, um, yeah. Because we talked about this way, way early. Mm-hmm. This is an article that was in the Sun Herald. And it says, Shatner, Denny Crane's a horn dog, but. But. It's by Gene Prescott. More than a couple of bloggers and probably countless viewers of ABC's soapy Boston Legal are in a stir about sex. More specifically, the Internet has been buzzing about a possible shift of sexual orientation in one of the show's key characters, womanizing partner Denny Crane, played with over-the-top chutzpah by (laughs) Emmy Golden Globe winner William Shatner. Just a week or so ago, the WOW report, worldofwonder.net, put out there for all the world to read. This is a quote. We hear from a reliable spy that the always inappropriate hetero horn dog <laughs> Denny Crane will be turning gay soon for at least an episode of Boston Legal or an arc, if not forever. <laughs> they pretty much covered it all right yeah. there, didn't they? It, he's going to be turning gay. Maybe. Could, could be for just an episode. Could be for a story arc. Or it could be forever. Or it could not happen at all. So, <laughs> And you know what that for an episode means? Mirror Universe. <laughs> now, wait. They, they contacted Shatner by phone to get a comment. Uh-huh. This is amazing to me. First of all, <laughs> Bill had to be laughing in his hat. There are no two straighter guys than Denny and Alan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. No, I can't think of it. Especially Alan. <laughs> Shatner said Wednesday during Straight a Friday interview. the Yep. <laughs> there are no straighter guys. Well, you know, maybe those two broke back cowboys are yeah, straighter, but... Yeah. Okay. Shatner goes on. But we've discussed that a number of times, <laughs> and we're not unaware that the proximity of Denny to Alan is somewhat suggestive. Shatner points out that the homoerotic current that underlies everything has more to do with the writers than the actors. And then he throws the water cooler gossips a bone, he says. In a future scene... Denny will be taking a milk bath with Alan, and we're hoping that causes a stir. I love it when Bill lies and then when he fucks with people like that. <laughs> so, so he might turn gay for an episode. You know what I find interesting about this rumor? Mm-hmm. It doesn't say he'll turn gay with Alan. That's true. 
Who would it be with, though? Not with Brad. That virgin judge? Not the Hobbit. He's off the show. The Hobbit's gone. Yeah. It's official. You know, the Hobbit and that girl aren't even in the credits anymore. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, there you go. That was quick. You heard about that from us, too. Short In fact, we talked about that. I think it's the first time the Hobbit showed up. I think so. He'll be gone. Wow. But this this is something to watch out for. This could get very interesting. This is great. I am so excited about this. I'm so voting for Mirror Universe. Oh, Gold Lame. Here we come. A sash. A sash. Getting created oh. with a big sash. we got to ask him about this at Shatner Camp. Oh, thigh high leather boots. <laughs> oh, oh, you just stopped my heart. Don't say things like that if we're not going to have a defibrillator oh, sitting here. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, this is wonderful. I'm, I'm just so jazzed about B- this. This is amazing. Yee. This is amazing. It's going to be uh, broke back legal. It is. And remember, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. We talked about it. Okay. All right. Um, check. Next, next yeah, topic. Yeah, check. check that off. This is this we just want to share. It's quick and it's funny. It was a very funny article by Dave Barry mm-hmm. about the Olympics, and he did like a brief <laughs> recap of what the Olympics are, what the various sports are, and of course his take on all the sports was very very funny. But uh, he also has ski jumping with celebrities. Mm-hmm. This is a new sport. <laughs> Introduced this year to boost TV ratings. Good thinking. (laughs) Competitors are sent down the ski jump ramp, often leaving deep grooves for the entire length with their fingernails, (laughs) then soar into space where they encounter gravity. (laughs) The heavily favored U.S. team consists of Eric Estrada, William Shatner, Nicole Ritchie, Lieutenant Uhura from Star Trek, they don't (laughs) say her real name, name. and the naked guy from Survivor. (laughs) That's a sport. Bill would do it, too. He would so do it. Bill will do anything. And he would win because he doesn't like to lose. He doesn't like to lose. He would so win that. He would, yeah. He would be kicking everybody's ass. He would. (laughs) He'd train for like an hour and then kick their butts. Uh, Yep. 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 That's Bill. Okay, check that off. All right. Update on the Captain Kirk wax figure. Oh, yes. Sold to the lady in the back. (laughs) The one wearing the look at his butt t-shirt. No. Um... Went for $4,600. That's amazing. Um, I'm going to put a picture of it up on the blog because it's a really weird-looking wax figure. There was a close-up picture of it on eBay, and um, it really does look like the way Kirk was made up in the deadly years when he was supposed to be old. But it... it Tired. He looks like he's old. in a bad mood, too. Looks like he's in a bad mood. Maybe he's got constipation yeah. or something. I don't know. It's just not good. Now, one of the actor's sons, and I'm thinking it might be Scotchy... <laughs> if he has a son, said they wanted to buy the figure of their father. Oh, really? But it got too pricey for oh. them. But I'm like, that's, that's kind creepy. of weird. So, of course, the next question is, what is this person going to do with the wax I figure? Know. You know? I, I mean, know. is it going to be in, like, the recliner in the living room? Part of the family now? Well, I think the figure comes with... With the chair? With the chair, oh. because it's in a seated position. Oh. You never know, though. You might just get the figure. Wow. That'd be weird. I mean, I hope whoever... Accessories are extra, apparently, right? Whoever bought it, I hope they don't live, like, in Florida or something, because they're going to have to keep it in the freezer. (laughs) That would be just so creepy. Yep. A big wax Kirk. I'd rather have a big cardboard Riker, honestly. I really wanted to get the big cardboard Kirk, and you can't get it anymore. Really? Even the places online, when you go to it, they say, we don't carry it anymore. Wow. And they have it. They have the picture. Yeah. They have it. We're going to have to look. You never know. There might be one at Creation Con. Now, um, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, Discovery Channel had the the show, How William Shatner Changed the World. Changed the world. But this, to me, is interesting. Over on Trek Today, they had a poll, and I enjoyed it very much. And the question was... 
how did William Shatner change the world? Mm-hmm. And the poll is now closed, and I did check to see what the, the final number one answer was, and it was like at 60-some percent the whole time, and it was the number one answer. Captain Kirk is the reason people went into science, politics, the Navy, exploration vessels, and on dates with hot, green-skinned women. Yep. Absolutely. Abs- that's so true. He changed my world. <laughs> he changed a lot of people's world, I think. <laughs> so... That was, that was cool. We just wanted to, uh, That's to share yeah. that. And, and we will, like you were saying, we will be talking about that show in yes. a bit. Yeah. Yes, we will. Um, so, uh, putting the fans to work? Putting the fans that? to work. This was a press release that came out just this very week, and I'll, I'll read a little bit of it. This was... Wait, wait, I want to tell how we found it. Oh, oh, please, yeah, because that's a good story. (laughs) Okay, so my husband comes home and (laughs) sticks a copy of Business Week magazine in my face, Uh and I'm thinking, ooh, he wants me to earn more money or something. But um, it's an article called Putting the Fans to Work, and he goes, it's about fan fiction. And this cold chill, you know, went up my spine because... I, I was afraid, and I read like a paragraph and, and almost couldn't mm-hmm. go on, so I said to him, am I mentioned? <laughs> he goes, no. So then I could read on, but I was in fear because I was mentioned once in an mm-hmm. article about fan fiction, and unfortunately they pointed to like one of my absolute worst stories, and a friend of mine actually wrote for me and said, I felt sorry for you. <laughs> so anyway, I'm not mentioned. But what it, it, it is, okay, Lena, you go on and explain it. Yeah. So that's how we found it. There, it's kind of interesting. First, I'll, I'll read some of what's in this article, and then I'll tell you what it says at the website, because they're okay. slightly different things. Um, FanLib, um, I'm skipping to the middle of this article. I will put the link into the actual Business Week article so you can read it. It says, if all goes according to plan, FanLib will bring fan fiction from obscure corners of the web into the light, a very postmodern form of mainstream entertainment in which it shows content, its fans, and its marketing intertwine. FanLib, based in West Hollywood, California, where else, is running a complex online script-writing contest for fans of Showtime's Soapy and Sapphic The L Word, its first effort for a TV series. The L Word contest, which assembles a full script scene-by-scene, scene, began in late January last through March. The show's real writers outline a scene and give guidance. Fans have about a week per scene to submit offerings, peruse others, and vote. One grand prize winner gets a script-writing session with the L Word creator Eileen Chaikin and a $2,000 credit at Saks Fifth Avenue. So what they're saying is they're having this contest, which I think is sponsored by Pepsi right now, for fans to write scenes of a, excuse me, a script for the L word online. So it's not like you're writing things and sending them in by mail and having them look at your script. It's actually an online collaboration. And it also doesn't say if you win the contest, they're producing your script. No, anything. it doesn't say that. It's not your script is the thing. I mean, it's it's just scenes that you submit. So if you go to the FanLib site, which is at FanLib.com, um, the, the description is a little different. So let me read what it says on the About page. Um, FanLib is driven by a simple idea, people-powered entertainment. Our unique software and services unleash the creativity of entertainment fans and keep our customers at the forefront of entertainment, marketing, and technology. In sync with the participation age, I don't know what that is, um, FanLib's community-driven online experiences produce consumer-generated media that's ready for the marketplace. So in exploring the website a little bit further, it looks like you sign up to be part of this community. Um, You can write scenes and submit them where they'll be online, where other people will look at them and vote as to whether they're good or not, and then can edit them and, and submit other changes to them. And if it gets enough votes, then it actually goes into the script and then 
the next scene comes up. So it is a script written by committee, pretty much, which is how scripts get written in Mm -hmm. Hollywood anyway. Um, It's kind of (laughs) weird. Well, here's the thing. And and I, uh, where was this? Blah, 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 blah. Well, it's somewhere in the article, and I can't I can't find where. It was saying, you know, but here it is. The genius of FanLib is realizing that fans can be happy just being recognized. The prizes don't have to rival those of who wants to be a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, yeah, it, it, it's true. Fans are happy just being recognized. But the thing is, these companies are glomming onto this as a way of promoting their show and therefore making more money. And mm-hmm. it just kind of reminds me of... Um, a few years back when, when I was a consultant in one of the, the companies that I was closely associated mm-hmm. with as far as um, using their software and everything, sent me a thing saying, you know, please write us something to to put on our website, blah, 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 blah. And I thought, well, yeah, I could, and, and that might be a promo for me. But in a way, you're asking me to write your web content mm-hmm. for free. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I'm wondering what the Writers Guild has to say about this because normally – you know, you have you have to get paid. I mean, if you write a script, because that's the way the world works, you know, you get paid for it. And if you're in the Writers Guild, you're in the union, and there are rules about how much you get paid and what you deliver, and, and you're not supposed to write on spec. And, you know, there's there's all well, kinds of stuff. Well, the writers here, I don't know. Um, I know there have been similar sort of contests. I know there was a thing where a... Um, like a, a third grade class or a fifth grade class or something, wrote a script for some sitcom, probably the Cosby Show or something, mm-hmm. and sent it in. You know, they did this class project, mm-hmm. and it ended up, of course, being tweaked by the real writers, but produced. And so, contests may be a, a different rule. Maybe they have a, a special, um, special thing. But um, one of the questions that that occurred to my husband when we were talking about it was, he's going, well. If you write this, you know, what does that do with the copyright issue? And I was explaining to him that, you know, if you are one of the real writers, it's work for hire. Yeah, yeah, You know, you do not now own the copyright to those characters Mm -hmm. or anything. But, yeah, it it would be interesting to know more about how this works. But, basically, it's, it's, it's... an online version, sort of, of the Strange New Worlds contest. Yeah, which we, well, I don't think, have we talked about Strange New Worlds We on have the show? a little bit, yeah. you know, and the thing is, they own all the entries. You yeah. don't have to win to have given up your, your story, and that's, I bet it's something similar here. Yeah. You know, that you don't, you don't have the ownership. Yeah. Um, I'm, just, as, as we're talking, I'm looking at some information, and I actually put, um, Writers Guild and FanLib in here. So there are a couple news articles about it, and uh, a representative from the Writers Guild says um, that FanLib treats her profession like it's no big deal. Quote, it degrades the actual work that our people do because it's very difficult work. Everyone thinks they can write an episode of television. Um, the guy who runs FanLib says any writers would be subject to Writers Guild regulations and rights. It is really putting the spotlight on the written word and inviting in, inviting a large audience to come and participate in the writing process. So apparently they're going to try to um, enforce things like copyright and mm-hmm. payment and all the rest of it. There was one more thing I want to click through and read here, see if I can find it. La, la, la. <laughs> oh, it's dead air. Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> Tap dance. Do something. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here, let me read this. Now, this is really interesting. Um 
This is a press release from December 15th, 2003. From who? Uh, from FanLib. Oh, okay. I didn't know they were on that. So this is via um, a site for archived news about CSI. Okay. okay. So September 2003, three years ago. It says, will fans soon be writing television shows? A new technology called FanLib will allow fans of TV shows to jointly write scripts for an episode. This internet-based software was developed by a New York-based company, blah, blah, blah. Um, See special fan episodes or perhaps a fan night when where networks can pump up exciting TV shows with a one-time special program. The software is targeted to the 13 to 20-year-old market. Reportedly, CSI and Friends are the two more active shows in fan fiction websites. The biggest obstacle will be the Writers Guild of America. A writer needs to be a member in order to write for network TV shows as TV writing contests and promotion are new, and writing, even if it's voluntary, is considered employment. While the article states that TV showrunners have looked at fan fiction to get story ideas, staff writers on network shows feel threatened um, as fan ideas could supplant their own. Um, technically, if a TV show uses a fan fiction plot and writing without compensation, that's copyright infringement. Wow. It says FanLib did a beta test at a Harry Potter site called SnitchSeeker.com in which 6,000 people submitted scenes and over 125,000 people visited the site during the test. So, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to figure it all out. Well, they've obviously, um, since 2003, managed to work something out with Showtime and, yeah. and get some corporate sponsors. Yeah. So, you know, the, well, the thing is, to to appear on, well, no, it's a little different. I wonder. I know that um, under acting union rules, you can do, I think it's two gig, or it used to be, it may have changed, you could do um, two gigs mm-hmm. on a union show without joining the union. Mm-hmm. And that's how they could have these contests where you win a walk-on right. on such and such a show. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to become a union member, which is pretty pricey. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you hit your, th- at that first one, you could say, okay, I want my union card and pay mm-hmm. for it. Or when you hit your third one, you had to. And I wonder if there is some sort of clause that we're not hearing about yeah. in the Writers Guild thing about that allows them to to run contests. Yeah. I, because it's one thing for FanLib to run this contest. It's another thing for Showtime to be involved. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Well, I'm sure this this just came out this week, the press, re- the thing in business right. week. So I'm sure that we will be seeing more about this um, as the deadline for the yeah. thing to end. It's supposed to end at the end of March. So we'll see if the, um, the script ever gets produced. I mean, maybe that's part of it, too, is that it will never actually be produced. And really, it's just a publicity well, there's, they're saying, um, uh, Showtime is quick to note that there's no guarantee that the yeah. winning scenes will ever be yeah. produced. So maybe that's it. They're not really intending to produce it at all. Yeah. And this is just a publicity thing. Um, there is one interesting thing, and maybe we don't want to talk about this now, but we should keep it in mind for a future show. It says, uh, FanLib will only work for some fair because for reasons buried deep within pop culture's DNA, fan fiction explodes only with certain shows. Star Trek is the granddaddy of the form. Another biggie is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I've often wondered about that. Is I really think if you went online, you could find fan fiction for just about any show. You can at fanfiction.net? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's surprising when you come with a TV show that there isn't something for mm-hmm. But for it to really explode to the point where it's, it's big, where there's mm-hmm. tons of it, like there is with Star Trek and, and with Buffy and, you know, with yeah. some of the others. I've often wondered about that. What is it that catches fire? Because they aren't even necessarily huge hits. No, that that's true. Yeah. In fact, in some ways, I think being a, of a cult status almost helps fire it. Well, I, I think that was especially true in the earlier days of fan fiction. You know, there were so many 
um, people who were into fairly obscure British science fiction shows and other, you know, mm-hmm. English shows where there weren't even that many episodes of it. You know, that show Blake Seven was on for like two seasons or something, mm-hmm. and there was huge fan fiction around that. It still is. People are still writing stories. Yeah, people still write that. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know what makes something better or worse. Or, I mean, or more likely to uh, have a, a huge and um, lengthy fan fiction thing. You know, know what I'm, I'm starting to think? Maybe there's a connecting thread in that, like, Blake Seven, Star Trek, Buffy, they're all like science fiction or fantasy shows. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I think they're more wide open. It's like, okay, you watch any other TV show that's set in the quote-unquote real world, Mm -hmm. and you know there are certain limits. They're not going to, you know, they're not going into outer space. They're not going to have vampires. They're not going to have magic. But you set it in in these worlds Mm -hmm. where anything can happen, and I think that sets off more more imagination, more viewer participation because they can go, wow, wouldn't it be great if they did an episode where they went back in time and met Henry VIII and, yeah. and you know, and prevented the 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 um, break with the Catholic Church or mm-hmm. something, you know, and you could you could follow that thread of thought and write a whole story or a whole script about it. Whereas, you know, you're you're not gonna do that with um CSI. <laughs> well, I don't know though. I mean, this thing that I was reading just said that there's a lot of fan fiction for CSI. Yeah, so but I don't know what that you means. know what I think. I think now this is today with the internet out there. There is fan fiction on everything. But in the early days, I'm thinking what sparked it had to be something more than it was a popular yeah. TV show. I think I'm thinking about different shows as you say that, and certainly X Files was a good example of that, which is just huge. huge. And then you know Xena and um, Highlander mm-hmm. and Hercules, those shows all fantasy shows. I'm trying hard to think of a non-fantasy or science fiction show that has had a lot around it, and I'm not able to think of anything. You know what else? What? What are the shows that their fan fiction has continued to to grow or to, to generate or still be active after the show is canceled? Mm-hmm. It's the ones we were just naming. Yeah. Because all those shows have been canceled. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. And they still have thriving communities. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, from what I've heard, it was almost like the golden era of fanfic between Star Trek original series and TNG. Yeah. There was a huge amount because they couldn't get it any other way. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I need to check one thing. Okay. Because I think So we're going to have some more dead air, huh? Yeah, no, no. Well, you can... You can <laughs> I can those. talk. No, no. Here's... <laughs> let me tell you what I want to find out. Okay. Um... I think we had talked before, and I can't remember whether we did this on the show or not, but we were talking about Lord of the Rings fan fiction Mm -hmm. and how, you know, those books were published a really long time ago and they've been out there. And until the movies came out, there was virtually no fan fiction. And we wondered why. And I think there are some pretty simple explanations for it. One was that um, the books are hard to get through if you're not used to that kind of Mm -hmm. writing. It's not that they're badly written they're very well written um and it's not that they're they're dense they're dense they're very dense books and and the style of writing is far different than most people read in regular fiction it's it's much more sophisticated with complex sentence structure and Mm -hmm. you know there's pages and and pages of description a lot of plot threads there's a lot of plot threads to follow so it's just not like what people are used to when they pick up a piece of fiction and they Mm -hmm. want to read it so i think that deterred a lot of people from getting really deeply into it or just reading for plot and kind of skipping all that stuff um, 
so then there's the movies, which preserved a lot of it, but um, additionally had these really hot guys in the roles. I mean, that was definitely part of it. And it gave um, people something visual to relate to. They couldn't just yeah because that. even though the books are filled with pages of description, it's what's in your mind, right? I mean, there's no pictures and and you just don't know. But then so you now, have the movie, so now you see it, and now you have a large group of people who share the same visual image. Right, they see exactly what it is. They have the same way of thinking of what a character looks like and speaks like and what he dresses and all the rest of that. And like immediately after the first movie came out, the fan fiction for Lord of the Rings yep. just exploded. So I was just checking. Um, over at fanfiction.net to see if there was still a lot of it or whether it's kind of died away because mm-hmm. we're not really part of that anymore. Right. And I, it just doesn't seem like it's continued. Like there was really? a, well, I'm not sure. I mean, it's, it seemed like there was a huge fad for it. And then after the third movie came out, things kind of trailed off a little bit. Uh-huh. Whereas I know, um, the Harry Potter people are still going strong because she's writing books and the movies right. keep coming out. So there's, there's new stuff. Well, here's the other on. thing. Probably one of the good things about Star Trek original series, because it was canceled rather than wrapped up, it never completed its arc. Mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings has completed its arc. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, so. a, it's a closed canon, as they say. It's totally But closed. here's something ironic, because you were saying Lord of the Rings is, is hard to get through for reading. But you apparently now have a large group of people who don't think it's hard to write. Yeah. <laughs> but it is hard to read. It's pretty scary. I, I remember um, when we used to troll around for really bad Lord of the Rings fan fiction, and there was a lot of bad stuff. In fact, <laughs> we, so delightfully we bad need stuff. to read some of that because it was yes, so terribly bad. But almost every person who posted said something like, I've seen the first movie, haven't seen the second movie or the third movie, haven't read the books, don't know anything about it, but I'm going to write this story anyway, <laughs> just because, because I can, damn it. Feedback welcome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, as some, as people who know the books and everything, like, the things that they got wrong were just hilariously funny. I mean, mm-hmm. making stuff up and yep. not really yeah. understanding what it was. So, bopping on over to fanfiction.net, I see that if you look under Lord of the Rings, which is listed under books and not movies, oh, interestingly enough, okay. there are 38,000 stories listed. Oh, my God. So, maybe I need to take back what I said about <laughs> continuing. But you know what else? With this, we were talking about the shared visual images, uh-huh. and the people think it's easy to write, but apparently it, it's not that easy to read. <laughs> well, here's the thing, and I, I, I remember for me this crystallized a lot of fanfic when I finally realized this. When you're writing fanfic about a TV show or a movie, in many ways you're not writing a story. You are describing an episode of a TV show mm-hmm. yes. that only you have seen. Yeah. And... It, it kind of creeps me out when I see that in my own writing, when I look back at some of the older stuff that, you know, I'm practically describing camera shots. People And do you're that. writing the pauses into the actor's dialogue. Well, and I write, I was writing in close-up. There was so much, you know, sighing and rolling of eyes mm-hmm. and, and smiling and things like that because on a screen that communicates yeah, so much. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's absolutely right. And I, I think it's especially, um, it comes right to you when you see people who write their fan fiction in script form. And they don't call it a script. Mm-hmm. They call it a story. Right. Like, Here is my story. You know, Gandalf, colon, hi, Aragorn, what's <laughs> up? You know, and, and the whole thing is written out with with camera angles and everything, but they don't understand that they're not writing a story. But they even think they're writing a story. Even some of the ones that have prose, they have description in them. If you stop for a minute and listen to the voice 
of of the writer. Mm-hmm. It is the voice of somebody describing the show they saw last night to their oh, friends. Oh, God. It's just crazy. I, I'm sorry. I just have to read one of these things. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a whole story. Okay. I just want to read the description. Um, oh, where is it? Oh, why don't they have it here? Um, <laughs> because this is just... Okay, so this is, um, I'm not going to say what the story is or the, uh, the, the writer's name because I, I don't want to mock them that openly. But here's a, a good description of a typical Lord of the Rings fan fiction, I think. Okay. It says, Eru transports Boromir after his death at Amon Hen to modern Earth to help make right something that went terribly wrong. Weeks after his arrival, he, his teenage companions, and an infant travel back in time to a magical world. Okay. So we have Boromir, who comes back from the dead, who comes to the present, to get teenaged companions and an infant to go back in time to do some to other right wrong. thing. To right a wrong. Yeah. Well, you know, one of my <laughs> and then they went to silliest stories was inspired by the description of a, a Lord of the Rings story. And I can't remember the story or anything, but it basically said, here's my story. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> It's about Aragorn and a beautiful woman, blah, blah, blah. So I wrote, like, and posted to a group I hung out with. Here's my story. I don't know what it's about. It's about Captain Cook, Kirk and a woman with really big boobs. And that became the story, the, the true outer space magical uh-huh. adventures of Lieutenant Kitty. Uh-huh. Which is a wonderful story. It's a funny story. I like that story. I think it's pretty funny. But, yeah, you, you know, if nothing else, bad fic can inspire. <laughs> It's true. Well, we need to dig up some of those really bad Lord of the Rings. We will. We will. Because those were good. Those are, And those inspired some stuff They as inspired well. many, many things. Yeah. Yay. Okay. Okay. Let's wrap this segment. Was there another thing we needed yeah, to Yeah, but we can do it a little later. Okay. Do Was there more news? Just like quick news that we needed to get through? Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's one thing. I just wanted to share this with everybody. The article has gone away, so I can't read, read you the thing in, in, in total. But um, it was they had asked celebrities who their childhood <laughs> crushes right. were on. And uh, Angelina Jolie's was on Spock. Mm-hmm. And Mira Sorvino's was on Kirk. I think that speaks volumes about the difference between those two women. Well, Mira Sorvino is, is obviously much more sensitive and astute oh, yeah. and talented individual. Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> so hats off to you, Mira. You made the right choice. <laughs> Do we want to talk about Trek passions now or later? Oh, okay. We if don't know. We if don't you're have to so talk eager about it now. to do it, go ahead. Well, okay. Um, this is public service announcement. <laughs> yeah, sort of PSA. Um, we we found out because it was on many different news sources, and I think someone mentioned that Conan O'Brien said it on his show as well. I heard it on the radio. On the radio, there's a Star Trek themed dating site, online dating site called Trek Passions. TrekPassions.com. Hey, unless I'm dating Captain Kirk. So it's free, and you go there, and you sign up, and you get to meet other sci-fi geeks. It says, Trek Passions, online dating for sci-fi fans. Now, they don't mention that you have to be a Star Trek fan. But given the title of it, I would pretty much think you'd need to be a Star Trek fan. Well, when I heard about it, I instantly started thinking about the uh, the personal ads you see with, you know, they, they're very specific about they want someone who, who loves dogs and, yeah. and doesn't smoke and everything. And so I think, can you go on this... And, and say, I want somebody who's exactly like Kirk, and if mm-hmm. you have any interest in Spock at all, don't contact me. I will kick the shit out of you. Because or Spock is a whiny, yeah. whingy bastard. But NS, instead of standing for non-smoker, yeah. would stand for non-Spocky. Non-Spock. No Spock allowed. No Spock. So we looked through this a little bit, and uh, the, the, 
descriptions are interesting. The ratio of men to women seems to be about a thousand to one at this point, which is so kind of not surprising. It's better than Alaska. <laughs> I mean, for women, you know. Um, so who knows? One of us might be signing up there just to browse around a little bit. But I, I have to just read this because it totally caught my attention. Um, this is her dream man. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I just want to say, you know, you're a Star Trek fan. This is what you post as the first thing that people read about you, right? I don't know what what this guy was thinking. He says, I did not really enjoy the first Star Trek series, mainly because I am offended by James T. Kirk's need to bag every woman in the galaxy. Is that really a necessary thing to do while exploring space? Okay. When one of us, one of us, yes, when one of us signs up for this, mm-hmm. I want that one to contact this person and point them to the Trek VBS where it says 62.6% say Captain Kirk is the reason people blah, 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 went on dates with hot, green-skinned women. Case closed. Absolutely. End a story. End a story. I was just astonished that... He will never get a date. Well, you know, he lives in Los Angeles, so what do you want? Really? Anyhow, Trek Passions, friends. Check it out. There could be some interesting stuff there. And, and you know... I think Trek Passions should offer, like, a prize to the first couple to get married <gasps> by meeting on Trek Passions with the Vegas wedding. Uh, they would have to go to the Star Trek experience. They would have to oh, and yeah. get married in the Vegas, the Star Trek wedding. They should. They absolutely should. Okay. Yeah, Trek Passions. So, and and if you go to the Trek Passions, <laughs> yeah, they should have that music. Yeah. There's a really funny, not funny, funny, strange picture on the homepage of Trek Passions of... Oh, and they changed it. Oh, my goodness. When I first checked it before, there was sort of an alien world. It had, like, a purple sky and some other stuff. We should send them, like, our, our close-ups of, of Kirk mashing on Helen Noel, you know. Yeah. Much, much more inspiring. Much I mean, does that inspire no, romance in you? it's a picture of an alien, like one of those Whitley Strieber aliens from Communion with the yeah, big, big eyes. eyes. Yeah, maybe it's from Alien Autopsy, even. I don't know. Or you know what they're saying? If Wait, wait, go back. Uh, what? If you get involved with anyone on this board, <laughs> your children will look, look like, like that. That's, That's right. your child. Oh, my God. That's who you're raising and sending to college. <laughs> All right. And on that happy note, let's take a break. <laughs> okay. And go watch some stuff, and then, and then we'll come back and uh, see what else is happening. Very good. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Talk to us. We would love to hear from you. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Send email, links, and sound files to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook using GarageBand. The Sci-Fi Podcast Network has collected together some of the best science fiction, fantasy, and gaming podcasts out there. 
The Sci-Fi Podcast Network has a lot of great programming that you might be missing. The goal of this podcast is to showcase some of the great shows available on the network so that you don't miss out on all the fun. Each episode will contain an interview with a TSFPN podcaster and clips from their show. I'll also play some of the fun, funny, and cool clips from some of the other TSFPN shows from this week. To start listening to TSFPN Sci-Fi Access, just visit tsfpn.com. No, they didn't know. It was actually extremely appropriate for what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, w- I was like, I hesitated for a split second before I said it. And then I just said it anyway. And I, I looked around to see if anybody was like getting the joke and they didn't. So then it was okay. You know, that's almost a little disappointing. <laughs> because I remember when I sort of came out at work as a Trekkie, not <laughs> as, as an extreme Trekkie, but just let them know, mm-hmm. you know, that I had some Trek awareness. Um, I think I would have been unhappy if... If nobody had had commented or or thought this was fun or thought this mm-hmm. was cool or was, I mean, people were really glad when I brought in my my um, magnetic mm-hmm. Star Trek mm-hmm. things and, yeah. and they could rearrange the scenes and stuff. Well, I think making a Boston legal joke like that is is just more obscure. Yeah, yeah. And even if somebody had watched the show, they might not immediately make the association with that. So that's true. Anyway, that was completely irrelevant. No, it wasn't. <laughs> It depends on your definition of irrelevant. Depends on your definition of completely. Depends on your definition of definition. And let's send it to the jury. Okay. So, so I brought it back to Boston Legal. Boston Legal, yeah. Yeah. So we just watched two episodes of Boston Legal. Mm-hmm. It took us about 45 minutes to watch the first episode and about five minutes to watch the second episode. And most of the five minutes in the second episode was, was fast, fast forwarding. <laughs> And you did an excellent job of that, by the way. I was very impressed by the fact that you knew exactly where Shatner's scenes were, and you kind of just went right to them. Well, it's kind of because um, it is it is just amazing to me how we had, right in a row, some really outstanding, wonderful Boston Legal episodes. We had that Alzheimer's one. Mm-hmm. We had Denny's Wedding. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the, the the next one that we saw that we're going to talk about in a minute with Shirley's Naked mm-hmm. Pictures and stuff, that was a good one. But the episode we fast-forwarded through, was very weak. It yeah. was like standard television. Yeah. And so it was really easy to remember, okay, there's three times Bill that's in this because that's the only reason to even look at it. Yeah. It was like um, there was melodrama with the storyline with Paul and his daughter, and then there was whatever the comedic equivalent of melodrama was with the blondie and And, and the, the, the guy she was yeah, defending. Yeah. Right? It was just, it was like a really bad attempt at broad almost slapstick comedy that just failed miserably. Yeah, it just, it didn't work. But anyway, let's talk about let's the talk about episode that did work. The good one, because it was a good episode. It did, that it had some really, really good. Nice stuff. So, uh, there were uh, two different plot lines, right? Mm-hmm. Well, three if you count Paul's daughter, but we didn't talk about that. We weren't so interested. 
count that out. So the A plot line was um, Danny Crane getting involved in a case and leading a case for the first time, maybe that we've seen on the show. I think so. Yeah, now that yeah. I think about it. And then the B plot line was, um, we had mentioned this before, that surely uh, Candace Bergen's character needs Alan's help to get back or prevent the publication of some pictures of her that were taken when she was very young. Naked pictures. Like at the age of 19. Yeah, yeah. Um, by a famous photographer. Art pictures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and those didn't really cross over, right? They were pretty separate as far as yeah. threads go. Um, so... Well, why don't you talk about... I want to talk about the Shirley Allen thing. So okay. why don't you talk about the Denny thing? Okay, well, it started out... First of all, we got to see the inside of Denny's apartment for yeah. the first time. <laughs> which was very funny because there were pictures of Denny all uh-huh. over. And he even had... Was it his name or his initials on his... His name. On his um, linens. On yes, his, on his sheets on and pillowcases. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he's in bed at 9 in the morning watching The View. <laughs> and what I loved about it is, my God, I hate The View so much. And... Alan was appalled uh-huh. that Denny is watching The View. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, he, he was saying, Denny, you've, you've got to get up and go to the office. But, you know, Denny's depressed mm-hmm. over losing Bev. And then this, this Alan changes the channel, and this, this guy is on who's being arrested because he had wired the windows of his home with electricity as a, a burglary mm-hmm. preventive, and a burglar had been electrocuted. So he was being arrested. Right. So the burglar didn't die. He was right. paralyzed. But Denny leaps out of bed, or not out of bed, he leaps up and he's standing on top of the bed going, I want that case, you know. And uh, and Alan looks right at Denny's crotch and says, and you, you got your bliss back. <laughs> so Denny goes into the office, assembles a team of young people who never speak, no lines, nameless, no lines, no lines at all. Suits, and he gets blondie. Yeah. And now I can't even think of her real name. I don't know what name. her name is. Is it Lori? Yeah, I don't uh, remember. She's his second chair. They're going to defend the guy. And it's it's wonderful to see to see Denny upbeat and leading this and having a plan. Mm-hmm. And his plan um, is basically trying it in the press. Mm-hmm. And the strange thing about the story, and we both commented about this, was that Paul and Shirley and Lori were all like, Oh my God! What is he doing? Denny is crazy. Blah 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 blah, and uh, and and Denny came in in the middle of it, explained to them, "This is good lawyering. This is what a lawyer does. Mm-hmm. You create your own reality. You control the narrative. You make people feel and think what you want them to feel." And I'm thinking, why do they have to be told this? Yeah, you they're know? lawyers. They've been doing lawyering, and we've seen them do it in all their yeah, cases yeah, in the past yeah. two years. But um. Denny, of course, wins his case and and does a marvelous job, and it's just wonderful to see him. It's so on top of it, so mm-hmm. in his game. Yeah. And the nice thing is, in his final scene with yeah. Alan, he's talking about, you know, it felt good, and he said, you know, I may not be the Denny Crane I once was, but up until today, I didn't realize that this Denny Crane might be just as good. <laughs> And I thought that's right because he's played that all along mm-hmm. using the mad cow thing to his advantage. Mm-hmm. And the, the blustery personality, and now he's running with it. It was great. It, it was it was really good, and he was he was so in control. I mean, there was none of the 
sort of hesitation and mm-hmm. and doubt. No doubt. No yeah. doubt at all. No doubt whatsoever. He just knew what was happening at every moment. It was great. It was so good. And they introduced a new character we hope we will see again, which is the PR woman. Mm-hmm. She was, was so good. Oh. She was helping Denny create the brand of this guy as the American homeowner defending his home. And she was so perky she and was. I, wonderful. She, she was great. She was and I perfect. hope she'll be back. I yeah. hope she helps out Denny on other cases. She was really very, very good. So I, I love that plot line. It, was, a, it yeah. was really good. And I was glad that... And I can't remember if, if Denny said it or somebody else said it when they were actually assessing the facts of the case, saying... This is a case where there's a rotten guy on each side. It was it was clearly, you know, a case where nobody was the good guy mm-hmm. and nobody was really the bad guy. And it was just, there. it was a no-win situation. You right. know, whatever the outcome was going to be, it wasn't going to be good or fair or anything. Yeah. It was just rotten. There's also a really nice moment in the the scene with Alan at the end. You know, Denny is, is exuberant and, mm-hmm. and upbeat because he's won this case and he's sort of back in the saddle. But then... He says, so who cares if she... Yeah. And the whole thing turned, and he talked a little bit about Bev and about still missing her. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, do you know I have memories of her that aren't sexual? <laughs> and it was funny, but it was also very touching yeah. because it made me realize what he misses, and I was glad they had this, is that he had fun with Bev. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it wasn't, it wasn't just sex. It wasn't just, you know, all the other things they played, but but that they actually had fun together. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and it reminded me of the line when Alan said, she makes you smile, and yeah, that's, that's yeah. great. Yeah, that he wanted to be with her. Yes. Yeah, yes. So that, that was very nice that they did touch on that aspect of the relationship and that that is what stays with you. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. That was great. So the other plot line... Um, is surely trying to prevent these pictures from being published. And the photographer has just died, and his widow is trying to raise money by putting half his collection up for auction, and those pictures are going to go into the auction. And the the the, the wife has uh, a personal reason for wanting to do this because she knows that, um, in addition to having posed for the photos, that Shirley actually slept with this guy when mm-hmm. she was very young. And one presumes she wasn't the only one. So that's... <coughs> pretty much the main reason I think why she wants to do this mm-hmm. is, is some payback and uh, it gets resolved through various means as you know it will and the pictures don't get published but the best part is just Alan's ongoing reaction to all of this and one of the best best moments is when they finally sit down um, with Shirley and Alan and, and the wife and her lawyer and they're talking law stuff and Alan just flips the portfolio open and sees the first picture and goes oh <laughs> <laughs> He just sits up and makes this strangled noise. <laughs> he he is so happy, so thrilled, so shocked. He, he cannot contain he, himself. He can't, and he's like putting his hands on his chest <laughs> and kind of trying to get a hold of himself. And everyone is looking at him, and he's apologizing and saying. So and it, the best is he almost oh. turned into like a fanboy. He did. It was good. It's just you're here. <laughs> It was great, and it's very funny. He's, he's like, as they're talking about all this stuff and offers are playing, and he's just looking at the pictures and kind of turning it a little bit to one side. <laughs> you almost expect him to do, like, the fold-out really? thing, you know. That was great. And then throughout the episode, as as he's doing things, he's carrying the portfolio around with him, like, clutching it to his chest. It was great, just holding on to it. So that was really, really good, and... Um, he has a little scene with Shirley at the end where she thanks him for doing this and he, he gets the photographs by buying them. So they're now his and, and he doesn't give them to Shirley. He does not give them to Shirley. And, and she says, uh, you know, 
he says jokingly, I'll, I'll leave them to you in my will. I'll probably, at the, the way things are going, I'm sure I'll be um, dying before you do. And she says, yes, if you show them to anyone else, I'll make sure that that happens, which is good. And, and very, very solemnly, he says, I would never share these with anyone else. And she says, you're one of the few people for whom I know that to be true, which was a really good line. Mm-hmm. And what, the best part about that scene, I thought, was... After they look at each other and she she leaves and he just stands there and he looks after her for a moment. And I thought, as much as he's in love with Denny, he's also in love with Shirley, too. Mm-hmm. And, and that moment really, really shows it up that he's he's not um, he's not in love with her just because of the pictures. But I think the pictures brought out something for him. And he's not in love with her 18-year-old self. He really mm-hmm. loves her for who she is now, that she did this once and that she's still the person that she is. And it's so nice to see that. Oh, well, it's and just it's, wonderful. It's so funny when she's first presenting it to him and she goes, I posed for some tasteful nude <laughs> photographs. And he goes, surely I'm shocked. Tasteful. <laughs> and then he sees them. But you know what was very, very smart about this? And I've been thinking this ever since I saw the episode, is remember we had read something a few weeks ago and we were talking about that they are focusing on the older characters mm-hmm. and and sort of um, giving the crowd that actually is watching this show, the 35 and overs, uh-huh. what they want. And I thought it, it was just so smart. And to have Alan Shore be the one and have him play it the way he did, this whole thing about nude photos mm-hmm. of her, because she said they were taken in 1966. And I'm sure everybody of a certain age and up instantly flashed back to 1966 when young Candace Bergen Mm. was considered one of the most beautiful women in the world. And I'm sure all the older male viewers of this show are remembering their masturbatory fantasies about her. And here's Alan Shore. (laughs) Gets to see the pictures. Gets to see the pictures and turning into a 50-year-old fanboy. Mm -hmm. You know, just, you're here. And... (laughs) But to, you know, subtly invoke that yeah. was really smart. It was. And also because Candace Bergen is still a damn good looking Oh, woman. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. And I, I like that um, her character isn't embarrassed about them, that she did them. She says really the reason that she doesn't want anyone to see them now is because she might want to be a federal judge one day. And, you know, she does have grandkids. But... She's not acting as if it was this terrible, awful thing that she did, that she's just mm-hmm. embarrassed that it happened in the first place. She just doesn't want anybody to see the pictures now, really. Right. That's all, which is good. That's mm-hmm. a, a nice, healthy attitude. They could have taken it in a way where she could have played it like, uh, you know, oh, he got me drunk or he talked me into it or it was the worst thing I ever did. Or, But no, no. And she doesn't even say it was a mistake. Mm-mm. Now that I'm thinking about it, she never says anything like that. Right. She just doesn't want anybody to see pictures now. Right. Yeah. Which is, I, I like that. So I like that interplay between Alan and Shirley, and I hope that they keep that up. So do you want to talk about the Alan and Denny scene? <laughs> um, the, the, well, I wanted to say one thing about um, when Denny's walking around with his, his, underlings yes so he they show it at least twice maybe, twice yeah. yeah he's walking down the corridor and and his his little minions are following behind him in a v-shaped formation <laughs> they look like geese yes. <laughs> and alan comments <laughs> on it. it and what does he say you're he gl- says first he says you're, you're, you're glowing no he says you're shiny, you're shiny. He comes down the stairs and he sees some company he goes denny you're shiny and you're in a wedge, wedge. <laughs> <laughs> that was great 
great. And Denny is so great. He's going, I've discovered that I love power. And then he exercises it by stopping uh-huh. just to make all the others stop yep. and going again. Yep. That it's was great. Wonderful. And then what, what does he say? Oh, the word is escaping me. Um, what? Oh, what does he say to Alan when he says, don't... Uh, oh, he says, it's my it's my homeo, homeostasis? Homeostasis. I've reached homeostasis. Yeah, yeah. the power is my homeostasis. And he but says, he says, don't read anything into that. And, and Alan says, I already did. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. Oh, that was really good. That was really, really good. Uh, okay, so... Oh, well, at the end, on the balcony... <laughs> <laughs> Where you're, you're getting the feeling Denny is going to beg to see the naked pictures right, of Shirley. Right, right, And instead, it's so wonderful. He goes, what's the big deal? I've had naked pictures of Shirley for years. And he pulls them out of his pocket. He's got the Polaroids, Polaroids. in his pocket. Uh-huh. And he shows them to Alan. And, and Alan goes, she's asleep in all of these. And Denny goes, oh, I've got one where she woke up. <laughs> she shows it to him and he goes, have you ever seen a beautiful naked woman so angry? <laughs> funny and as the camera's panning out as the credits are starting to come up he's he's like shoving it in front of alan's face and at one point alan moves to take it out of his hand and he jerks his hand back it's like, like you, can look. Look, you can look at it you can't hold it you can't touch <laughs> now you know what i was wondering of course um what were the photographs really of? oh gosh who knows well you know there's a movie where susan sarandon and somebody play ex-groupies, you know, who've grown up and had oh, lives. Oh, right, yeah, now. that came out a couple and they, years and ago. And they, they, um, they have all these photographs they had taken of rock stars' cocks. Uh-huh. And at one point, they're looking at them together and laughing and having hysterics. And the story is that these were real pictures of penises <laughs> that, that were stacked up there, and they were looking at them and just, you know, having fun and uh-huh. laughing and, and making fun of them the way these women would. So I'm really wondering, what are the photographs Bill pulled know. out of his pocket? I don't know. Well, maybe we Probably can... Probably the time from when he, he did Candace Bergen, Bergen when they were both young and hot. In 1966. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we can find that out. We can browse around the internet or maybe maybe we can ask Bill. Yeah. Let's see if he'd remember. <laughs> oh, he's had so many naked pictures. I know. So many actors. He'd lie. He'd just lie about it. Yeah, but we like when he lies, because we know, know he's lying, funny. and that makes it true, right? Yeah, it's true. If you know someone's lying, then they might as well tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was there, let's see, did we have stuff to say about the second episode, really? Uh, the second episode, um, well, our comment, one of the things we noticed is that they do a really bad, bad job of makeup on <laughs> younger characters. Yeah. They do a great job on Bill, Renee, mm-hmm. Candace, mm-hmm. James Spader, Betty White, mm-hmm. they all they all look natural. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the younger ones, they are just piling on the pancake. And yeah. you notice that the secretary's eyebrows are completely drawn on. Yeah, I think they use Because the those, pancake completely covers they them. They use those um, eyebrow stencils. Yeah. The, the, the Liz Taylor ones. <laughs> <laughs> that you bought at Woolworths. <laughs> eyebrow stencils. There were people who did not believe that eyebrow stencils existed. Do you well, remember when we were we were at Friscon or something and we were talking about them? Or maybe it was even in one of the news groups and somebody mentioned them and, and another person said, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> what are eyebrow stencils? Well, you know, it's amazing. You get out in the internet and suddenly it's like you're out in the whole world and it's amazing the things people don't know, yeah. such as peeps. Oh, yeah, peeps. Remember, I remember having to explain peeps when I first yeah. wrote peeps stories. Yeah. 
And um, I saw Peeps today at the store. Well, you know, we are going to... Peeps season. Uh, we're going to have to do a special Easter episode that's devoted largely to Peeps, because... Peep. It's coming, it's coming up pretty soon. I almost bought some for you. Oh, why? <laughs> to see the face you're making right now. <laughs> we can do science experiments with them. Yeah, well, you know, there is a really funny website where it's photographs of a surgical team... <laughs> Performing a separation of, you know, the five peeps uh-huh. are all connected uh-huh. and they're, they're surgically, you know, um, disconnected yeah, yeah, like yeah. they do in those Siamese twin surgeries and stuff. And, and afterwards they're all wrapped up in bandages and oh, it's so <laughs> funny. Oh, that's so funny. Um, you think we could persuade you to read some peep stories for Easter? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. That would be great. Yeah. That would be really good. I don't know when Easter is. It's in year. April sometime. Really? Oh, yeah. we better read something soon then. Yeah, it's coming coming up. Um, so, yeah, so bad pancake makeup. We noticed that. Um, not so good acting from some of the other people in that episode. Yeah, I can I can hardly remember what the episode is about because Bill wasn't involved in any of the cases. Yeah. Oh, Denise said she had a dream that she had a threesome with Denny and, and Denny. Denny. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. But, you know... He was funny. After she says it, mm-hmm. he comes. Denny comes into the room and, and says very, very casually, "You had a dream that you had sex with me." And she kind of chokes and says, "How did you know?" And he goes, "You did." <laughs> I ask everybody that question, and you're the first person who said yes. yes. And I thought it was very well written, and he was funny, but I didn't think she acted very well. She's, I, she, she, was, she wasn't good. She was bad in this episode. Um, you were saying it was very broad comedy, and that was She's it. She's not and, very good at it. And they they were making her very idiotic in that and in her case, mm-hmm. you know, that she was handling. And Yeah, I, I think we, we pointed out that... Um, Mark Valley, the guy who plays Brad, has a real talent for doing these these comedic mm. things, and he's I don't think she, she doesn't have that. No, she's I don't not think really, she can do it. She's not really quite there. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there was anything really great in the in the um, closing with Alan and Denny. Uh, oh, when they were talking about love and smoking <gasps> their big cigars. Oh, and 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 uh, Denny talked about the first time Bev let him go <laughs> porkling. <laughs> And the tilt of his head, the look in his eyes, and says, I can still see her yeah. right there. Yeah. Has to be one of the filthiest things I've ever seen, and Absolutely. I loved it. Absolutely. That was completely filthy and That wonderful. kind of made the episode worthwhile. It was, it was so vulgar. Mm-hmm. And to go immediately from that to the two of them talking about how love trumps all, and Alan smoking his... Sucks on a big cigar. cigar. Big cigar. Big cigar. So they're definitely building up to something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to film in Montana or British Columbia again. <laughs> they're going to go herd some sheep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is going to be so much fun to see what they do with that. Really. Yeah. I, I can't wait. It's going to be good. Now, how many more episodes do they have to go? I don't know. I mean, know. isn't it coming close to Probably the end like, of the season? I don't know, maybe four, I'm guessing. I wonder if they'll do that as the, the end of the season. The milk bath? The milk bath or whatever. I mean, he probably just made that up on the spot. <laughs> or they could, you know, be going to a spa yeah. and actually do that. Yeah. You know, do couples milk bath. I know. But <laughs> oh, no. Given that he just said that and there's all this speculation, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the cliffhanger to the end of the season. Oh, my. That would be The good. mind boggles. It does. It does. I can't wait to see it. I really can't. 
Um, let's see, did we have more Boston Legal stuff? There was no sort of Boston Legally news, except, oh, well, we, we found out this was the first couple episodes where um, the Hobbit and the other um, woman are officially out. They're not in the, they're credits, not in the credits even anymore. anymore, so yeah. they're just totally gone. They're gone. And it doesn't seem like they're trying to introduce any other characters. Uh, not right now, but apparently from what I've been reading, you know, I'm not really that big a TV watcher, but um, a lot of cast reshuffling is very typical of David Kelly's shows. Okay. Until it settles down mm. to the ensemble he wants. Mm. Um, Betty White is coming back in an That's upcoming right. episode. That's right. We saw that. That looks good. But so is Tom Selleck. <sighs> we'll just focus on Betty. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Selleck. I, I just can't get over that. That that scene with him and Denny just looked kind of stupid. Because mm-hmm. Denny, Denny's line to him is very cliched. Yes. You know. Don't you hurt her. Don't you hurt her. She deserves better than us. Don't you hurt her. Hey, you know, um, I do have a thought we can close with. (gasps) A thought? Yes. Yay! I love your Um, thoughts. Bringing us around to sex toys. Oh, goody. (laughs) (laughs) You already heard this thought, but the rest of them haven't. Um, On this topic of sex toys, as you know, I sort of patrol around uh, (laughs) the uh, Trek Today, BBS, and various other places, see what people are talking about. And for some reason, they were talking about the iBuzz. <laughs> um, if you all remember, that was the USB-powered oh, sex toy. I, I'll have something to add to that. And, uh, the, and you know, that you can hook it up to your iPod mm-hmm. and, the, and the whole thing, and it, it vibrates in time to the music. Yeah. And somebody posted a comment that I thought was just so wonderful. They said, my God. Our cultural fascination with the iPod has grown to the point where we have to fuck it. (laughs) And then they concluded by saying, this is like the brightest spot in my day or something, or it all looks good to me from here, something like that. But I liked that. I think that that's true, very, very true, (laughs) and not necessarily a bad thing. I wanted to give everybody an update because we spent so much time a couple shows ago talking about um, how we were going to get hold of the iBuzz with all its many attachments, and we were looking at the the Condom Country site. Right, and and they also had the the, the, The the scratchies scratchies that we don't know what they are. Well, so here, the, the rest of the story is that Condom Country is an Australian website, and you cannot buy the iBuzz in the United States for some reason. I don't know why. All of the sites that I looked for were either English, wow. Australian, or other things. Condom Country does not ship to the United States. In fact, they don't ship out of Australia and New Zealand. Dun, 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 dun. At which point, I immediately said, hey, I know somebody in New Zealand who would do us a favor. So um, thanks to our man in New Zealand, Greg Gray, we are going to get both the iBuzz and the Scratchies. Oh, hooray! Which is just a wonderful, wonderful favor. And um, he proposed some sort of, that we establish some kind of um, look at his butt bucks. <laughs> okay, this is news to me. So it's, it's like, a, like a barter system that we so, could work out with people if they wanted to buy us things. And then, you know, I don't know. And what do we do in return? I don't know. Well, that, I mean, we have to establish what the, the, the system was, was there. And, you know, like how many look at his butt bucks are equal to, I don't know. Is this like green stamps? Yeah, it is like green stamps. <laughs> Are we going to have, look at his butt bucks redemption centers yes. all over the country? Yes, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we should think about that and just try to, you know, set something up. I don't know. And what you know what? Want? What? Who do you think we could get to shill for this? <laughs> Who could possibly want to promote, look at William Shatner's butt redemption centers? Because I know I could be redeemed through looking at Bill's butt. I have been redeemed. Hallelujah. I'm saved. 
Give me an amen, sister. You know what I would want to be on the stamp? <laughs> what? It doesn't have to be a picture on the stamp. I want the picture that you took of the television screen. <laughs> During impulse. <laughs> with him wearing those white pants, <sighs> bending over into the trunk of the car, and there's just this butt. That's all you see is this butt well, in white pants. Yeah. That would be perfect. Oh, yeah. And there, with a the big arrow. Look at his <laughs> And it's bouncing. It's yeah, on the boing, 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 boing things. Oh. oh, that would be so wonderful. So I think that's that's an idea that we'll have to explore. Hey, who sent us the photograph? Somebody sent us some screen caps. Of? Of, of Bill, of course. <laughs> and there was a profile, and I remember I said to you, look how trim and buttly he looks. <laughs> It was amazing. Was it? Was it? Um, Julian? Julian? Was those from Julian? I think it was um, the last in the series. So we posted um, the first two pictures were they the, were showing the EVE yes. from Mark of Gideon, which we hadn't been able to see on our taped copy. And then the third picture, which I didn't post, but I can certainly put it up, is um, a picture of him on the bridge from Who Mourns for Adonis? Is it? Or, we're gonna have to check. I'll have to look. But there, the lighting is such that you can see butt cleavage. Yeah, it's it. It's, it's a great picture. It's gorgeous. It's wonderful. I'll, I'll put that up. I have it. I just, I wanted to, to just really emphasize the EVEs in the two Mark of Gideon because they're just so amazing. The arrows that bounce. Look at that. Look, <laughs> Look at, at that. that. God. It's amazing. Okay, we'll have to be thinking about butt bucks and redemption but, centers. Butt bucks. <laughs> I like butt. Butt bucks. Butt, butt bucks. Butt, 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 butt. I, it kind of, you know, it's what would people want from us that we could send them? That we aren't already providing. Yeah. With the, the, the news, the joy that we spread. Yeah. Well, I suppose one thing that would be easy to do is, um, you know, we could burn CDs that have lots of shows on them to mm-hmm. save people the trouble of having to download everything. That would be simple. I mean, somebody might want it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's just an idea. Okay. It's not like we're going to be sending out signed photographs of ourselves. Hey. 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 <laughs> T-shirts. That's true. We could send out t-shirts. If you, if you earned enough butt bucks, yeah, we would autograph and send you a t-shirt. Yeah, that's true. And um, some of the old t-shirts and, and some of the, the new things we're working on, mm-hmm. yeah, that would be good. Okay. Yeah. So that's one idea so for butt bucks. So start earning your butt bucks. Yeah, yeah. So, and if you've got um, ideas for butt bucks, send them in too. Well, you know, I'm thinking of other other things now. Like, um, <laughs> you know how in the back of comic books they sell those x-ray glasses? <laughs> I think you're looking at his butt glasses that you put them on it and you see Bill's butt. Yeah, that would be really good. Kind of like Viewmaster glasses. I just want to, before anybody thinks that I'm going to make them a lightsaber dildo, that is not (laughs) happening because that was way too much fucking trouble. I mean, I was happy to do it for you because it was a very special (laughs) gift. Who was it who said something about, I think we're all better off if you just stay away from (laughs) Home Depot? (laughs) Somebody wrote that to us. But, uh, yeah, that's the one and only one that, that is ever going to happen because, yeah. Well, it's unique. It is, and it's for you. I mean, that was yeah. the whole point of it. So, no, no, don't ask. Don't even think about lightsaber dildos. They're not going to happen. But um, other things, yeah, we could definitely do other things. Um, okay, so I wanted to play one thing that we can close the show with, which was we did get one more look at his butt. In Now, it's in Elvish. But not that kind of elvish. <laughs> you just have to listen. It's very, very it, funny. It's very good. So I think we'll play that to close the show, and then we'll do the usual music and all that. Sounds good. All right. Mm-hmm. 
bright light said it gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. There's a thousand pretty women. Stay there a little more. And now, look at his butt, with LT and Jungle Kidder. Charlie! Thank you very much. Charlie! What? Dude, not Elvis. Elvish. I beg your pardon? Elvish, dude. You know, like Lord of the Rings? You know, elves? Elves. 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 Dude, that's so fucking gay. Dude, it's it's not gay. God. I Do I look like J.R.R. Tolkien? I don't speak Elvish, man. What's wrong with you? Well, you know, you said, when I when I asked you, you said you could speak Elvish. I, I, I didn't mean you went Elvis. <sighs> Dude, I, I just, I had a peanut butter and fried banana sandwich, whatever. To get into the mood. Alright, whatever. Okay, sorry guys. We'll we'll try this next time. But you know. Stupid. <laughs> we'll try this next time, okay? Uh sorry for the interruption. Uh go back to your regular programming. Evil Las Vegas. Evil.